Luck Stops Here podcast is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Use promo code LSH for a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's $500 in free play in their online casino, sportsbook, or horsebook. That's MyBookie.ag. Use promo code LSH. And me, I'm gambling report here. I'm on a hot streak because I was on a losing streak for a while, and this is dead serious. And so I started doing the opposite of my instinct. And I'm winning about 75-80% now since I just went the exact cold opposite of my instinct. And I've gotten a little winning streak together. So that's how you do it, people. That's how you, you're like, hey, you place a few bets, you lose. Then, then go, okay, well, what do I think? Do the opposite. You'll start winning. I swear. It works for me every time. All right. This week's show is a, is a fun one. Um, I can't wait. I've been looking forward to having this guy for a while because he's one of the few people I know that's actually lived out here besides me. And we're going to have a lot of fun talking about that. But... Everybody, the host of Conversations with Matt Dwyer. Matt Dwyer. Hi. I imagined, <laughs> I pretended I heard applause. <laughs> yeah, I have a spattering of applause. No, I do have the soundboard <laughs> that we were testing out and before the show, and you can't hear it, but I can. So, like, I can play stuff like this. Utah, give me two. And you couldn't hear that at all, but it's definitely recording on my sound card here. So, you at home will hear these drops. And I think it's almost funny that I will be playing these when uh, when people are oblivious to them at this point. And hopefully I can get the tech worked out so that they can actually hear these sound drops. Because, I mean, that one was from the movie Point Break where Gary Busey asked uh, um, Keanu Reeves to go get him two meatball sandwiches. And he goes, uh, Utah, give me two. And that's it. That's all That's all it is. It's, it's nothing special. But Utah, give me two. My brother and I. Never po- you never seen Point Break? I don't, maybe I saw it in high school, but I, if I did, I don't remember it. Oh, man, dude, like, uh, that's a classic. I, I don't know, maybe it was probably after high school. I, that was probably out after I was in, I, I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, then I, I think it came out in 91, so. Oh, yeah, that was, I was not in high school. Yeah, you were. I was legally drinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a classic. It's got Swayze and uh, Keanu Reeves and uh, Busey is, a, is a, in a smaller role. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Lori Petty. She was in it too. I don't know who that is. She was in a League of Their Own. She played Gina Davis's sister. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't remember, but I've seen League of Your Own a bunch. I mean, I only saw Roadhouse for the first time like a year or two ago. Oh, that's a classic. I loved it because I'm always like a little like baffled when people are like, "It's so bad, it's fun." I'm like, "Why do you want to intentionally watch a bad movie? Doesn't it like you don't go? You don't go? Somebody doesn't go like." this novel's terrible and you're like all right i'll read it (laughs) i gotta check that out i guess movies are different though because a novel you have to make a commitment of your life to whereas a movie you can be like all right i got an hour and a half to kill might as well do something stupid like especially if someone's just sitting around getting loaded you know it's like might as well watch dumb movies don't don't, don't yeah it was great i loved it like i was just like why did i wait so long to watch this this is so bad it's hilarious like i love i would watch it again yeah no it's a it's a it's a fun one uh i think i did see a play once that was so bad that it was it was like it was like it was so bad like if it was in a movie as a bad play you'd be like no that's not like it was like the lights would come up and people would still be like putting on shirts and (laughs) the one guy who's supposed to be like the handsome lead had some weird defect where he just constantly blinked and like it was like Tourette's (laughs) he was it was like a, a sexual perversity in Chicago so he was like in, in about last night, he was the Rob Lowe character. Like, okay, he was okay. Supposed to be that good looking of a guy. And it was like, 
I, I don't know. This guy probably but he's, just, but he's got major Tourette's tics. Like even if he was really yeah. handsome, <laughs> I think that would throw people off. Yeah, he was okay looking, but like I was like, this is your career just peaked, pal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh like uh I was watching um Breaking Bad, like in the son, uh, the cerebral palsy kid, like that guy really has cerebral palsy, but it's like, well, how many other shows or projects are really going to write a great cerebral palsy character for this guy coming up in the future? Like, you know, he cashed in on the one show and, uh, hope, yeah, hope, he does. Does he really have it? Yeah. I think oh, he does. Yeah. I think though, like he's like trained himself to like in interviews, you don't realize it's as bad. Like he made it seem much worse. Like he was acting on the show. Like he doesn't have it nearly. Oh as yeah, because he's like a good-looking dude. Yeah, not that you can't be good-looking and have cerebral palsy, but like you just don't usually equate the two. Does that sound awful? No, 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 no. Because like I remember watching uh, me and my mom once when I was like I don't know high school or something. We were watching a People's Court one afternoon because she was a teacher. So during the summers, we would watch a lot of daytime TV together. <laughs> And, uh, like, uh, it was a people's court where, um, like they had a beef and like the mom and the daughter were in a beef with like their landlord or their neighbor or somebody, whoever it was, the daughter just sat there and smiled and looked pretty the whole time. And it was like, Oh, why hasn't she chimed in? Why is that like, Oh, that's like, that's a smart, you know, uh, legal strategy. <laughs> have mom do all the talking. And then, uh, they cut to her like after the case, like they ruled in their favor. They're like, Hey, like, you know, what do you think? And she was just like, yep, da, 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 da. like, like she had like re- really bad, like cerebral palsy or something like that, where she couldn't really even form words. Like it was, it was really like, whoa! I didn't. That was a plot twist I didn't see coming. Like, it's, it's uh, water. I'm surprised that you're going to be having a cocktail. No, no, no. I don't. Uh, I don't really drink much these days. I have a, I have a couple of beers on like a Friday night or a Saturday night here and there, but that's about it. Oh, that's good. And sometimes a few shots with those beers, but uh, and then you know sometimes an eight ball with those beers. <laughs> no, <that's kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> that's that was in nineteen ninety one. For actually, I I quit coke before I turned twenty one. That's how much coke I did in high school. I was Whoa! Like, All right, I'm I've done it. I'm done. Now was uh, coke uh, big in Chicago in the eighties when you went to high school? Yeah. It, I, yeah it was yeah and my brother was a dealer so i oh, okay kinda, <laughs> like i grew up around it and so it never seemed like a big deal to me plus my idol was john belushi so it was like i was like oh well belushi liked it and belushi in, like it, in my, my own home yeah your brother's got it i mean it can't be that bad <laughs> yeah of course he ended up in rehab and almost jail but <laughs> well, <laughs> so it's better also he was it's better than ending up in jail and not um, and um, Said, I'd rather be in rehab and almost jail than jail and almost rehab. He got lucky because he also he started dealing and he was dealing out of his bedroom. Like he had guys coming to our family door and my mom had no idea. And she was like, your brother, Pat, sure is popular. I've like, yeah, <laughs> noticed these guys kind of your jaws twitching a lot. Ma. How many years but, older is he? Like three. So he was like he was in high school. He was in high school when he was doing it, too. Then he started selling it out of his bedroom window, so it was like a McDonald's drive-through. Oh my! Then God. he was making enough money, so he's he and his buddies got a house, and then they got raided, which is probably because it was the '80s. So my mom probably could have lost her house if he, they would have raided our home. Those good, those good Rockefeller laws. Oh yeah, those fantastic old uh, Nixon era Reagan. Reagan, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, 
Yeah. And that's, uh, he was probably the reason I stopped doing coke. Cause I'm like, he's an asshole and, he's <laughs> <laughs> and shit's not going well. He was like a racist prick. Oh man. Um, and you have like a lot of cops I, in your family, right? No, no, I have one cop. Okay. My uncle, my step uncle, he's not even like, he's like my aunt. No, it's, I should have a lot of cops. There's enough anger and hatred in my family that they should be cops. I just assume every Irishman from Chicago has like seven cop uncles. <laughs> <laughs> like... No, most of my family was on the other side of the law. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's really cool, though. <laughs> my brother, Marty, would like, he punched a couple cops. Like, he would, <laughs> and he still like taunts cops. Like, but he would, like some cop was hassling him a few years ago. And the cop was like, you're drinking. My brother just took a step back. He's like, I'm in my yard. Like what? You, like what are you gonna do? I'm fu- and he like started like dancing and mocking him. <laughs> <laughs> also, probably helped that he was a white guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I actually cut a cop off, cop off this morning. I felt pretty good about it. But like, yeah, good. It was a three lane street, and he pulled over a guy from the the left lane, but just pulled him over right there at the center divider, instead of pulling him over to the right side of the road. That's stupid. And then it was kind of blocking my uh, second, the the lane I was in, which was the middle lane. And then people saw that behind me because I was stuck at the red light when this was kind of going on right ahead of me. So then when I came up, I couldn't maneuver around because people were just flying by me on my right. And so I just, I was like, you know, I'm making an executive decision here. And I cut the cop (laughs) off. (laughs) Are cops in Vegas, do they have a bad rep? I mean, they deal with so many drunk people it's got to be yeah it's mostly like duis i think i mean i feel but no there's a lot of shootings here too dude like there is a period where on the strip it's it's it's, it gets weird well not only that like a lot of let's just say it california and arizona trash come here on the weekends and (laughs) (laughs) and, that's when i lived there i was just like you'd walk around and you're i was just like like in my head i was always like who the fuck thinks like I don't know, Tim Allen is a good idea or something like that. And then I was like, oh, these people. Like yeah. I was just like, oh, this is, I it, don't know America. This is America. It's changed a lot. It's like, what is it? Something like 900 to one and a half million, 900,000 to one and a half million people from California alone have moved here in the last few years. Really? It's something crazy like that. Yeah. And you see yeah, like. I was there, it was just fat. Like no offense, I'm not trying to fat shame, but it's just like <laughs> obese people with like fanny packs and big tumbler, just like fucking slogging along. The, and it was just like, come on, man, I'm like trying to get to work. Rascal <laughs> scooters like, and everything. Yeah, it was like, but what is that? Like, is are the rent prices jumping up like everywhere else in the world? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, especially during COVID now, because the housing market's like no one's buying anymore, and everybody was selling their places or whatever. So it's basically the the big real estate corporations are buying up all the residential property that people are losing their jobs, you know, trying to get whatever they can out of it. And then they have to rent apartments now. So it's driving up the price of apartments. Yeah, I was I thought that prices would drop in L.A. County, but they but even barely... then, dude, like I, be, I mean, I've been looking around and like you can get like a pretty solid spot, like a two, pretty solid uh Two bedroom spot here for like nine fifty five. What? Yeah, because uh, I we have a two. I mean, we have a, like a townhome with a three bedrooms, two and a half baths, a garage, and a big outdoor patio, and it's tw- almost it's twenty four fifty, which is 
Oh, dude. Let me tell you. If for that like price, for that price, you could get like a, I'm not even joking out here, like a four or five bedroom, three bath, like swimming pool, like, like mansion. <laughs> yeah, like gated community mansion. Like, <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> yeah. No, like, I mean, that's part of the reason why I moved that. And I was like, I, I, I've been having my second thoughts, like, like most people. I've been here two years now, and I'm just like, okay, should I go back home to California? Like, it's been fun, or like, do I really establish long term roots here? Kind of thing, you know. It's like, which side of the fence am I on that? But then I see the prices, like, the apartments I can afford here versus the apartments I can afford in LA. It's like, and not to mention, there's no state taxes here. Yeah, that's not, see, LA County is. Someone told me two days ago, it's like the most expensive. Next to Manhattan, L.A. County is the most expensive. And it's like they don't build apartment buildings for working class people anymore. No, it's all luxury. They tear them down and build luxury apartments. Yeah. And it's like we got I mean, this place that we have is a good deal. And it's like it literally every month I pay rent and I'm like, all right, here we go again. Like, it's not like this place here. Like I'm in a furnace and most of this place is already pretty much already furnished. So like that's it was like I came in with the price a little. But it's a one bedroom condo for eight fifty. Fuck. And I have like a I can't even... I have a sweet balcony. I have a like modern kitchen and like dude, like our microwave broke a few weeks ago and they fixed it within like a day. Like they just came in and replaced it for us. Like no, no charge. Do you have like noisy neighbors and all that shit? No, actually pretty quiet. Uh people across from us get a lot like they get a little uh, I think they're meth heads. I think and they get they get a little turned up every now and then. No, I'm now I'm starting to think why you might have cheap rent. You but uh, in the no, for the for the most part, dude, it's like like p- people in like their fifties to seventies, like pre-retirees on a lot of like spots around here. I was we were just in Palm Springs, and there's like a law like if your neighbor can Shazam your music and know what song it is, you could be fined five hundred dollars. Like you can't play anything loud and. Maybe this sounds like a guy getting old, but I'm like, that sounds fucking all right to me. Yeah, this place is my my community's pretty quiet, and I'm like tucked away in the back, kind of off the little like service road that the uh, the sheds for the maintenance crew use. So it's like I have like another layer of everything, you know, like <laughs> like another layer of separation from everything else because of that. Like, uh, how close are you to the strip? Not that I like you need about like to ten to fifteen minutes, depending on what part drive yeah like if you i want to go like all the way south like down like the mgm and stuff like 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 down there that'll take me about 20 minutes but if i just want to go to like circus circus like just like or stratosphere like the north end of the strip that's only like a 10 minute drive for me because i'm in northwest vegas so do you overall do you like it i mean yeah no i do like it's starting to get hot right now so i'm just i'm i guess i'm a little cranky you know (laughs) like lately like it's because the last few days have all been over 100 and so it's just like yeah. we're, we're getting to that point, time of year where I realize, oh, yeah, I'm not going to have any more night. Because, like, dude, during the spring and the fall, it's amazing. It's like that three months, though, where it's hot as balls. Yeah, it's like it's like what I – it's just like reverse Chicago. It's like do you have three months? But it's like I would rather have deathly heat than fucking shoveling out my car and needing a jump. Like, Yeah, yeah. You know, it does get cold here. Not Chicago cold, but it does get cold here in the winter. And it did snow here, like, one morning, like, over the winter this year. That, I can't that was just one day. I don't want 30, 30 below. Fuck you. Like, yeah, I know. Never wanted to, but like I moved to Vegas at the end, very, very end of July. So I was there for three months and it was like, I mean, you know, 90 was at night. Like it was yeah. the low of 90. It was like, and I was like, that was, 
and I would stay in like you wouldn't leave the house until it was like till the sun was gone yeah no no yeah it's like uh Dude, for, I just got for this last weekend for my car. I got one of those sun visor things, and it's made all the world a difference. Because like my car is usually like on a ninety-eight degree day here, my car is like one thirteen walking out or whatever at the end of the day, and it's like I gotta like open up the doors real quick, roll down the windows, like blast the AC, get some ventilation going, so I'm not just sitting there oh, dying. It'd be rough if you had kids because you can't put the kid in the car. No, no. Unless, unless you put an apple in their mouth and roast them. <laughs> like a good little piggy. <laughs> roast, piggy, roast. No, but, but it's I mean, like, you know, you're, you put your hands on a steering wheel and it's like, it's, you can't. So, so now what I'm learning, though, is like, okay, so that's, that's why I got the sun visor. Because like, I know that the inside of the car is still going to be hot as shit. But at least I'm not going to burn my hands such as my steering wheel and stuff when I get in there. Like, my entire dashboard is not going to be all melted. But, like, uh, and, like, cars here, you have to be sold with, uh, like, a certain, like, degrade of tint. So I have pretty heavy tint on my windows to keep to help keep the sun out. But, see, Mount Charleston is about 15 to 20 minutes from where I live right now. Oh, and, that's nice. And, dude, it's 30 degrees cooler there throughout the entire summer. Like when it's 110 up here, it's 80 degrees over there. Now what is what's the, what's Mount Charles like though? Is that like redneck city or? I mean, it I, it's pretty. Everybody's pretty isolated. You're not really in like neighborhoods, you know. And everybody that lives up there still drives down here into the city for work. You're just you're just choosing to add at least that that, that extra 15 to 25 minutes on your commute every day, each way. So it's like, yeah, a lot of people don't want to do that extra half hour to an hour a week or a day, but. Yeah, I don't know. I kinda, My goal is just. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's it's nice up there. I mean, you do, and you can get like like for like eighteen hundred a month up there. You can get like a really fucking sweet like monster like luxury cabin kind of spot. That sounds all right. I just don't like. I'm, my goal is I want to. I don't want to work for any motherfuckers. The goal was by the end of this year. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm I'm still trying. But the goal is to get to the point where I don't have to rely on anybody. So the next move I make is going to be a place that's affordable. And so I could save money. So I am not bagging groceries when I'm fucking 70. <laughs> it's like- yeah, no, because that's the big thing for me. Because like I do, I have a set amount that I invest every week. Okay. That's great. How, do, do you mind saying how much? Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna say like I want because it's like yeah, no, I don't know why that was rude of me to ask. Okay, but it's like I, I have it broken down to like different percentages. So some of it goes into like the savings portion of a, a cash account I have on my brokerage account. Another portion goes into like my the stock, like the main stock stuff I have that that I'm like playing with, and then the rest goes into my IRA and then like another like just general kind of fund I have. Do I what I meant more because I didn't really want to know you because that's just rude. I hate when people ask questions like that. But is it a do you operate on a percentage like this is the per, a percentage? Yeah, I yeah. Put? Well, I, I just do like uh, like a fixed amount per week right now, but I'm gonna start breaking it down into more of a percentage of my income and stuff. I got all these medical bills coming up, so it's like everything's kind of on hold, so I'm not doing much extra with it, you know. Sometimes I would just don't be pay, like, "Don't pay the medical bills." <laughs> I'm just gonna tell. No, honestly, like I, I have a good strategy with my, uh, with my work there, who, like, where HR is kind of guiding me through how to do the financial aid and just basically say, "Ah, oh, I can't do it. Uh, you guys got to help oh, that's me." That's cool. So, I'm pretty lucky like in that this. regard, and like, I have decent insurance through the company. 
That's but it's good. still not cheap. The thing is, is like with all that, and you, I, I tried really hard to find this kind of job that everybody tells you you're supposed to get. You know, with the great insurance and all the benefits and stuff. And I, I and dude, I'm not complaining. Don't get me wrong. But it's like it's still not enough. At the end, of the day, you know, like I'm still begging people to join my Patreon. I'm still begging people to sign up for a fucking offshore gambling account. <laughs> like, uh, I'm gonna have to do. I'm gonna have to start doing a like because my goal is like I will give you a number on something. I want to get up to where I'm putting a thousand a month. I'm not there yet right now. Thousand a month in my investments. Okay, that's great. So if I get to a thousand a month in my investments, then I get to retire a millionaire at sixty-five. I put, I've done the math on it, and like at, at like an average of like four per, four and a half percent growth on a year. Which so far my portfolio does much better than that, um, but yeah, like, and I even fuck around with crypto too, and I've made a little money off that. So I mean, I can't. My brain is. I don't have that. Kind of, I'm just a dumb fuck. Really, is what I'm trying to say. Dude, like, I can't do. You want to hear the most degenerate shit I, I have coming up here? I was just. I was. Talk, I started talking about it last week, but I'm gonna have to bring it up every episode because. Uh, I thought the generals were due. You see, you didn't hear that soundbite, but it was Krusty the Clown saying, I thought the generals were due. <laughs> <laughs> when he was gambling against the Harlem Globetrotters, one of my all-time favorite moments. In oh, this. that's a great joke. <laughs> it's, such, it's such a perfect joke. It, uh, it's a, to me, it's the perfect de- 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 degenerate joke. But, like, uh, no, like, uh, um, I've been... Uh, saving up ethereum okay which is a, a cryptocurrency okay it's kind of like the number two one bitcoin's the number one one ethereum's kind of the number two but ethereum's like greener energy and cleaner and so more and more companies are adopting that and more and more platforms are using that as the main thing behind it like other crypto platforms are using that blockchain so it still increases the value of that because they're copying its dna so to speak that makes any sense so i'm buying saving up all this ethereum so i can start my own stable and buy nft racehorses which are digital racehorses that race against each other in digital races where it's like these but it started by these guys in australia i think it's a big in the uk right now too but i want to get a piece of this action because i've seen horses selling on there for like 1.5 million dude what i'm not even shitting you on that dude like it's insane what people will pay for fucking these non-fungible tokens. But the thing is, most of these non-fungible token things, it's like a like an artist takes a picture of something and then sells you that picture of it, blows up his painting, and now you got that NFT. And that's kind of like... But with this, it's like, give me horses, roosters for cockfighting. Let's give me... Let's start creating more NFTs that can be competitive with each other. So, like, the blockchain technology is like a DNA in these horses where they're bred... And you can find a winner based on the algorithm, so to speak. You know, whereas like a, a real horse person looks at them, the mother and father and all that. But like a digital horse person can like break down the coding and figure out if it's got wins in its future. That's insane. Right? <laughs> I went in on this. Dude. <laughs> like, like, I mean, there's part of me. It's just like it's baffling to me. It's especially the like, well, I took a picture of a painting that I blew up. You have the picture. It's like now okay. here's here's where I think like NFTs could actually be really useful for guys like us. It's like if you're doing an album, okay. So let's say you make your album like a limited run of like five thousand, but then people can sell that to each other. But the way the blockchain works is 
you're still like getting a piece of it every time it gets resold. So like if you were to press a vinyl and it gets sold in a record shop, dude, that that's it. You got your original money off it, but they can it kept could technically get kept getting resold for years and you're never going to see another dime off it. Whereas on a like a NFT kind of situation, you would always be connected to that blockchain and be receiving a cut of it every time it gets sold. That sounds good for like any sort of artist. That seems like yeah, that's the way it should be. Yeah, so I see the it's potential. Just, it's like residuals. Yeah, exactly. It, it's like creating like a digital residual, and like like blockchain network where you would like technically, if it's your album or whatever, or your painting, you'd be able to go and watch it being sold and moved around in real time, seeing every transaction. Is this the future or is it a trend? I don't know. I th- I I think for like. So, I mean, in that regard, like, like you, we'll see what happens with this Dan Harmon Fox uh, animated show where it's going to be an NFT, like, animated show. I don't know how that's going to work exactly, but it's, like, the same kind of thing. It's, like, you don't necessarily have to, like, a lot of people think an NFT has to just be a one unique thing. Like this, like a, like I said, like, the eccentric artist that fucking takes a picture and blows the thing up. Like, okay, that's, like, making a statement. But, like, let's say if you wanted to release an NFT movie. And like you do a pre-sale on it through a crypto like offer like thing, then then the crypto like funds that NFT. Well, people could like buy in like instead of GoFundMe, it takes it to a whole new level where they're like big time investors in this project, and like the crypto could go up outside of the movie on its own or whatever. But what what happens is it funds it like you're using it to power this these NFTs where you can do like okay there's a one million runs of this movie. And then, you know, so like a million people can have it, so to speak, or whatever. And then every time it gets sold from there, it, it it's just creating more and more residuals. This just sounds like something someone came up with when they were insanely high. Like, yeah, I mean, I, all of the sounds. Like, I think that's like, what it is. I, I, I smoke enough weed to understand this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I need to smoke more weed. <laughs> it's working for me dude i got health insurance uh <laughs> i would work for a weed company in a heartbeat for sure hey if you ever seriously if you ever want to like i'll talk to you off air and stuff about it but like, yeah i mean I, I can get you in the business out here like pretty easily it's pretty and it's pretty cool like i i enjoy it um uh it's crazy because i had to go through the fingerprints and the fbi background check which is fucking weird but you know, I, I've I've done that once for another job. Yeah, it's not like I was on Epstein flight logs. <laughs> like... <laughs> I've never, believe it or not, I've never really been arrested. I should have been. I should have had multiple. I have, DUIs. I have one DUI, dude. That's it. My entire. When like, was that? Oh, eleven years ago now. So yeah. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah I I've been like pulled over and drunk. And like, I don't, yeah, I, don't I, I got pulled over drunk so many times in my 20s. It's ridiculous. I don't know how I don't I didn't have like five DUIs back then. I mean, I, I, I like to think I would have learned my lesson after like the first couple or whatever. But I used to I went into drove drunk to a 7-Eleven with cops in the in the 7-Eleven in Echo Park, bought beer like they were parked next to me. They were like leaning against the car and I was like fucking waved. <laughs> and I was just like, I got to the point where I was like getting away with it so much. I was just like, no, like I was like, you know, Billy the kid or something. I was like, nobody's going to fucking get me. <laughs> and uh, I didn't. I never got a DUI. I mean, I, and I, I sold weed like on the streets for years and stuff. So it's like, 
I always kind of said like them getting me on the the DUI with like getting Capone on tax evasion. It's like dude, <laughs> they could have gotten me on a DUI with like twenty pounds in the back. <laughs> like, like. I was reading that about Graham Parsons just the other night. I'm reading this book about this guy who was like the a road manager for like everybody. Yeah, I know you're talking guy. about Graham Parsons. Yeah. Oh yeah, but he this guy worked for Graham Parsons, but Graham Parsons didn't trust his girlfriend, so he before he'd like go to the corner to get a coke or something. He would put all the drugs in his pocket and he got like, so his girlfriend would do all the drugs <laughs> and he got the fucking busted jaywalking. It's like, dude, you're walking, walking around the street with hard drugs. You don't jaywalk. Yeah, yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> You probably would dig this book because this guy, like, he used to do to produce like Charles Manson. I'm gonna, I got it next to my bed. Back in Manson's he, Beach Boy years? Yeah, he, he, he met Manson in jail and he... uh Heard him singing in jail before he became Manson or the Manson. And this guy was in jail with Manson as a fellow inmate. Yeah. And he was like, and he was already kind of connected in the music business. So he produced his first record. And like, he's like, at one point in the book, he's like, yeah, I think I slept with every one of the Manson women. It's just like sort of matter. (laughs) It's it's this book. It's, uh, oh man. Oh, that guy looks cool as hell. Dude, you know, he, he looks like the guy I met from the American Cricket Ranch at the Reptile Expo a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he's that. He's probably the. Same. He might be that guy. Road, yeah. Road Mangler Deluxe, and he like worked with the Stones, everybody, and it's all just him, like you know, punching people and doing drugs, and it's it's crazy. He's still alive. He lives in the valley. Oh, that's I tried so, to get him on the podcast. That's so never... cool. I I have a bad I have bad luck with uh, trying to get old people on the podcast. On my when I did my old one like ten like a long time ago, I tried to get Henry Hill. I I was able to get Henry Hill's like contact info through Facebook. And I hit him up because I'm like, dude, if I can have the guy that Goodfellas was based on, I win the podcast game, that kind of thing, right? It's amazing who responds, though. Yeah, no. And then uh, he died like a week later. I swear, I was like, oh. Was he interested? I never, I never heard back. But it was obvious he was like, he'd been really sick and stuff. So it was like, but if I would have just got, you know, got out to him a little bit sooner, I probably could have got him. But um, no. Uh, ten- oh, go ahead. No, I, I did randomly try and get. I was like, you know, it's like I have this obsession with Eric Roberts of him just being one of the greatest over actors of all time. Oh, the... I love him in uh, Star 80. Oh, yeah, dude. No, that's one of my all time favorites <laughs> with him. Yeah, yeah. Like he's he's great in that. Um, but see, like with him, like I saw so like I got drunk doing the show one night with Cornell and I was like, oh, we were joking about him. Well, you know, you just do is you just email Eric Roberts at Gmail dot com. So I sat here and like every combination of like eric dot roberts so all these people with eric roberts email addresses got random this this email from me of like hey i'm hoping you're the actor eric roberts because i'm a big fan of star 80 king of the gypsies pope of greenwich village like i would love to talk to you for my podcast (laughs) never heard back from anybody never and like honestly i was like if you are not that eric roberts but you, you've been, you've feel that a request like this, or you just want to come on my show anyway. I will have you for being a nice person, kind of thing. And no, didn't hear back from anybody. Did it, none of them come back like Mailer Damons? No, no, like, like dude, like, sorry. I, uh, have you heard the uh, the podcast about the Dorothy Stratton murder, the death of no. a starlet? They did like an no. eight part true crime thing like josh lucas narrates the the paul snyder part it's really good really really good vargas used to work with uh, some photographer who was a photographer at playboy during that you know john vargas right yeah 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 i need to have he, him on the show i haven't had him yet 
he knew he knew a dude who knew that guy like he worked at the guy worked at playboy i think he might even have shot dorothy stratton and he said eric roberts like he was like that was the dude he nailed it he was like (laughs) he was that creepy he was that awful like he was like it was pretty much the guy yeah and for the listeners if you haven't seen star 80 starring uh it's Burial Hemingway as Dorothy Stratton and then Eric Roberts as her husband, Paul Snyder. It's a fucking great movie. It's a tragic story. It's a great movie. You probably know this, but the, they shot where the, the final scene where Eric Roberts takes care of business, let's say. <laughs> I don't want to ruin it. They shot that in the actual house, like in the actual it, Yeah, it was happened. like in Santa Monica or like Westwood, right? Like somewhere on the west side? Yeah, something like I'm always like fascinated by people who li- like somebody in L.A. lives in the house that Lenny Bruce died in. And I'm like, do you like when you get uh, that house got torn down? I looked it up, dude. That, oh, how long ago? Like, like, a... like 10, 11 years ago, I want to say or something like that. It got uh, some real estate developer bought it and they changed the address even same way like they did with the uh, the Sharon Tate house. Oh, they... that's terrible. Yeah. So the I think toilet. Where... What did they do with the toilet? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. If I do it, if I it was up for auction, I would have already bought it for you, dude. <laughs> somebody would. I mean, somebody like. Somebody would buy that thing. That's oh yeah, that's history. Somebody just bought f- four strands of Cobain's hair, and I was like, "That's creepy." Yeah. Like, just, unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately, I was going to say it wasn't from his deadhead, but like it was like somebody who cut his hair in the nineties. But I'm still like, that's just creepy. Like that's just stalker weird shit. Yeah, dude. I don't I know. Don't, I kind of like. I get like I don't know like all you're, so you're all telling me you're not going to add a hair tier to your Patreon. Or you're going to tell people <laughs> to uh, hey, if you pay fifteen dollars a month, I'll send you a lock of hair once a year. I'll, I'll send you a pube, man. <laughs> you name the hair from what part? I should just like you know different prices like round the nipples. That's five. <laughs> you want butthole hair? <laughs> well, not a hairy dude. Surprisingly, uh, I, I, I mean, if I were to offer this, man, I'd be. I would not, put it this way: if people were into it, I'm not going broke anytime soon. I got supply covered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not sure about the demand side of the of the game here. And you dude, know, uh, I go ahead. Oh no, no, I was just gonna say I listened to your uh, Boots Riley episode today. Oh, that's an oldie. That's from like that, 2013. I just I post. I just don't like to like take the day off if there's a thing. Because it was a holiday, but I'm, uh, it was a release day. But I was like, I'm going to – I just put some – so I, sometimes I put out old ones because people forget about those. Yeah, no, He's and I hadn't, I hadn't heard that one before. And it's, it's insane because he was talking about his new album, Sorry to Bother You, where fast forward a couple of years in the future, he directed the film. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you know, great like, movie. Which is a great, great movie? movie. I've seen the movie. I loved it, yeah. Really, like, just kept going in directions. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, no, because like by the time he gets like towards the end, I'm just like, oh man, this is. I, I didn't see this third act coming. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, and I was kind of like, I remember people saying it was great, and I was like, okay, not like to, but you know, like when a guy who's never made a movie makes a movie, and you're like, you're like, well, this is either going to be like a first time movie or, but it was like, it was great. Yeah, no, it was really, really good. Like, yeah, I mean, and it's funny now how many like musicians are film become filmmakers like uh rob zombie and like you know like you get all these different guys uh, who else the other yeah. one i'm thinking so many but fred durst has directed a couple oh, that's movies. right that's right <laughs> his first movie was with uh jesse eisenberg hey. i heard like i've heard uh durst is a 
like every, the people I know who've like worked like I worked with Jesse Eisenberg briefly and he was like he was great he was like he's a nice guy uh, I don't know how the movie is but his Instagram Fred Durst's Instagram is all pictures of old station wagons it's kind of cool that is pretty cool actually I got... it's it's nothing else like <laughs> once in a while he'll have a story that's like him doing a bit that he shouldn't do because let's be frank he's not a funny man but he'll uh, <laughs> My uh, Instagram, my Instagram stories is just becoming pictures of my favorite, like se- like seventies films and stuff like that. Like like uh, I, I like had that. the Bingo Long uh, and the Mo- Traveling All Stars and Motor Kings one. I did. Oh, that's right. I asked to asked you what that was. Yeah, you ever seen that movie? No, but I saw Pryor, so I was like, "What's?" And I that's it's, why I was like, "It's Pryor, Billy D. Williams, and James Earl Jones in that picture." And they're like the three stars, yeah. of the barnstorming team. They they basically like are are too cool for the Negro League. They get kicked out of the Negro Leagues and they start their own barnstorming league team and they start beating up all these white teams and they're able to work their way back into the Negro Leagues because of that. It's a pretty, pretty cool That's movie. That's a cool... I'm going to have to find that. It's on Tubi. I don't know if you have Tubi. The uh, It's a free app, so you can watch it for free on there. Damn. Yeah. I'll watch that. Is it? Do they cut out the curse words? No, no, no. I, I think they just have like a... They'll run an ad like every 45 minutes, I think it is. Oh, sort of like Cracker. Yeah, so it's kind of like that. Cracker has, uh, or they did. I haven't watched it in a while, but I used to watch All in the Family on there, which was just mind, still mind blowing. Like I'm like, how the fuck did they get away with this? Or dude, and with, the, Sanford and Son. What? Sanford and Son's another one of those ones where it's like, dude, Red Fox call like talk shit to like like the, like it's some of the most misogynistic humor in the history of television. Like it's. It's fucking hilarious, but it's pretty bad. <laughs> Red Fox, I read this recently. Red Fox and Malcolm X worked in the same kitchen together in Harlem. I've, I've heard that story before, too. Yeah, how cool it's is crazy that? to me. Yeah. I would love to listen to those two speak. Can you imagine being like like the fellow line cook? Like, <laughs> you're, the, you're the third cook on that shift. It's like, well, one guy went on to be a civil rights leader. The other guy went on to be one of the greatest comics of all time. The other guy... He was a guy. <laughs> he he became the sauce guy. He became he did started doing the sauces. It'd be funny if like but, that it was that and that man was was Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> like, I would imagine Malcolm X was probably funny, like when he wasn't being Malcolm X, because yeah. you can, you you're that smart, you're going to be funny. Yeah, I, I think he'd be a cool guy to hang out with. Like he would, he would, he'd have a good sense of humor. I'm guessing because he when he was like just working in Harlem, he knew like he was like the man about town. He knew everybody, so it's like he must have. Well, I mean, plus he was charismatic as fuck. And he was, dude, you know, and he was like a kind of a low level con man and went to prison for a little while too. So it's like he has to have some sort of quick, you know, like, like I'm sure I'm sure he was like a really like I'm sure he was a, had fun. Yeah. I'm sure he had some fucking hilarious stories. I mean, I read Did his autobiography. You, yeah, that's what I. That's where I read it. I've been. I just about to finish it, but it then it, you know gets heavy. So that's why I switch back Dude. to the guy who beats up people for the Rolling Stones book. And shout out to my friends uh, Desi and Rachel over at Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. I was just listening to their show where they had a whole thing about the Cotton Club murders. Have you ever heard this? The thing, the Cotton Club, Cotton Club murder. Dude, one of the guys who was a producer on the movie The Cotton Club. Ended up oh. getting murdered by a fellow producer, and Robert Evans kind of was like named, but like never got indicted or anything. Really? Yeah, dude, it's fascinating. So Desi and Rachel did like a four-part whole thing on it, 
and like it was it was really like interesting when you start going down the rabbit hole but like the guy the night this guy who got murdered disappeared the guy his he had one of his friends because it's i mean it is a dumb hollywood crime so he had one of his friends like hey you're gonna go to the restaurant follow me to the restaurant and you'll keep an eye on me and if anything happens you can call like the cops or whatever you know because these people are going to be picking me up in this limo well, the guy, the guy lost him, couldn't find him, and he just went to the restaurant and sat there and ate and hung out for like three hours, thinking nothing was wrong, which is hilarious to me, because he should have probably made the call right away there, because the guy had probably been murdered at that point already. But uh, it was yeah, they, were, they were cutting him up. It was the guy who played the son on Sanford and Son. I can't think of the actor's name. Lamont? Yeah, Lamont, dude. <laughs> he was the guy waiting. He was the guy, like... Wow. To, to play lookout for the guy who got murdered. He was like his friend trying to like make sure nothing happened to him that night and like lost him in traffic, went to the restaurant, had a full meal, and the guy got white whacked anyway. <laughs> wow, that's heavy. So Lamont was in some shit, huh? Yeah, I mean he was just a dude, honestly this seemed more of a story of like eighties cokeheads all hanging out and one of them ended up getting murdered. You know? Wow, that's crazy. Because, <laughs> like, the chick that, like, ordered his his murder and all this, she was a big-time coke dealer, and she basically used her connections as a as Robert Evans' coke dealer to get in on pre- helping produce the Cotton Club and brought this guy in who who was, like, a total, like, shady guy, but he used to pr- produce, like, uh, like, Joey Bishop shows and, like, vaudeville shit back in the day. There's, uh, what's his name? Lloyd Bridges supposedly uh, murdered... A woman like he's like because uh, uh, Pat Keene, you, you know, Pat. I know Keen, Pat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pat Keene, when he first moved to L.A., worked for this old dude who was like an old PR guy and knew like like Pat was like, I talked to Paul Newman all the time because I answered the phones. But the guy was like, Lloyd Bridges killed him. like and Lloyd Bridges is like a fucking rapist or allegedly. I don't know if the Bridges Whoa. family is going to come after me. No, no, like, I don't think so. Some, I forget where I was reading about him being like. Who some famous actress said that he he raped her? I forget who it was. Holy shit! I always thought of him as like, like a he, the like the funny guy from Hot Shots and and blah blah blah. But like, I mean, he was also a very good dramatic actor in his time too. Like, yeah, I mean, back in the day, or is it is it is it Lloyd Bridges? Yeah, it's Lloyd Bridges. I'm pretty sure. Father of Jeff Kurt, Bridges and Bo Bridges, or is it Kurt Russell? It's it's not the yeah the. Now I wonder if I'm getting my actors confused. <laughs> Kirk Douglas, you mean? Kirk Douglas. I think it's Kirk Douglas. Okay, Kirk I can Douglas see that. I can see that. Lloyd Bridges does not seem like a, a rape No, type. he's Sea Hunt. Yeah. I just knew it was the, one of those guys with the jaws. They both had those jaws. Yeah, Kirk, uh, who did we say it was? Kirk Douglas. Yeah, Kirk Douglas is a rapist. We're just going to go out. We're going to say that right now, you know. And so was Michael Douglas. My, my, oh, I mean, Douglas. I, could see, I could see that running in the family there. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm like, I don't know about the the Bridges family, you know, because J- Jeff Bridges, the dude, um, seems like a pretty stand up dude. I also loved him in The Contender, where he plays the president. Yeah, they're all like, they're all mellow, but the, what's his name's kids, they're all. Yeah, no, the Douglas family is fucking insane. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, the, so. The guy, blamed, like... the guy blamed getting throat cancer on eating pussy. He's fucking crazy. <laughs> Hold on, I got, the sound, I got the sound bite for that. Cunnilingus and psychiatry brought us to this. There we go. <laughs> but because uh, it was like one of those old Hollywood fixers because he killed he supposedly killed. His, and I looked it up. That's why because I, I was like, oh, I want to look. And there is a bunch of stuff online about it. But then the studio was like, go away to Europe for a while, take a long vacation and then we'll clean it up. And then that also happened with um, 
there was another actor who actually beat up the guy who put together the three stooges beat him up and killed him in front of a, oh, a bar and restaurant and uh he, uh killed i forget who put together the three stooges and i'm also forgetting the actor but he was in treasure island but uh he like beat up and killed this guy in a parking lot and that same thing they're like they brought in the hollywood fixer they're like go away to europe and they fucking put it on a bunch of frat boys what about william shatner i've heard i've heard so i knew a chick who was like worked on set with him and said that he was like like sexually like allegedly we have to say allegedly really <laughs> no but dude he allegedly murdered his wife his ex- it was in the pool like yeah in the pool, pool right yeah yeah we're like like her neck was broken or whatever and she was in the pool and like they said like he said she felt like dove in in her head but it was like she was wearing like her clothes and like yeah, the corner and the corner kind of like was like, eh, it doesn't quite look like that. That's what happened, but he was able to pay enough lawyers to get out of it or whatever, not have to go anywhere. We we lived in the wrong era of Hollywood. I want to live in the era of Hollywood where I could kill people and just be like, Dude, oh yeah, they they tripped over an ottoman. How how easy would it have been for us in the 1950s when there's like like maybe eight comics total? there's like eight white dudes that do comedy would have been very easy for two more to pop up and do it (laughs) yeah (laughs) we could have been we could have been wildly successful yeah dude we could have been like martin and lewis dude but funny (laughs) (laughs) never got into jerry i love dean martin i love dean martin too but yeah jerry lewis sucks balls like i can't like like I think I like Dean Martin much better at the Rat Pack than the Martin and Lewis stuff. Like I've tried, I've tried that, and I've tried, and I love being Crosby. Can't get into Bob Hope. Yeah, nah, like it's too. That's way too like uh, like my grandma's kind of shit right there. You know, like that's just I like, tried. It's too much. Uh, it? Like uh, like softball down the middle kind of stuff. And it's like, dude, come on, I want a little dirt on it. Give me some Letterman. <laughs> I'm with you. Like Letterman puts funk on it, dude. And like, uh, I don't know. I've been watching a lot. I was like, when Charles Grodin died, I was watching a lot of the Grodin and Letterman interviews. And those are just so fucking good. Letterman was great. I miss that kind of stuff. It's like everything, nothing is, no one's got any bite anymore. No. And like, Does that sound old? Does that, but it's like, come on. No, it's like, true though. It's cause like, look at these late night shows now, like whether it's Colbert or Kimmel or, they're a bunch of la- like Jimmy Kim- Jimmy uh, Fallon, especially. They're a bunch of lap dogs. You Everyone's know? a big fan. Yeah, and like Letterman, the, the best thing about Letterman was he when he didn't want to be sitting next to the person he was sitting next to, and it made for the greatest. Con- like that's what made the show funny. And like it's like because like hey, we all know what these late night shows are. It's just an excuse for these people to go promote their shit. They might as well take some take some fucking ribbing while they're doing it. You know, like. Plus, he, he could take somebody down a peg who deserved it, which is great. Yeah. Especially like, like Rush Limbaugh and those guys. He would just fucking hammer them. Yeah. Or like, and like, there's a reason why, like, because like Jay Leno, I think, really created the lapdog culture. Of, oh, that's a good connection. I'll buy that. Of late night hosts. And like, and the, the watershed moment of that is when Hugh Grant went on to fucking talk his way out of his fucking hooker blowjob. Do I have a soundbite for that? No, just the glory hole, which was all glory hole PR bullshit. 
Yeah, no, it totally. I mean, and because damn sure didn't go on Letterman. <laughs> Letterman would have roasted him. <laughs> would have been uh, would have been amazing, dude. <laughs> I'd be curious to know the math of like what the what the logistics of that happening were because it was like because you know he just threw a bunch of money at a PR firm and they were like because I remember him going on and he's like his like tie was like purpose like to me it all seemed it was very staged awkward yeah it was so staged thank you for putting the right word there (laughs) i I remember watching and just being like this is bullshit like i don't buy this for a second no just be like sean penn would have been like yeah i got a blowjob yeah whatever yeah Yeah, sean penn would have just been like fuck it i don't care um no, and with Hugh Grant too, because like I want to say that was it was right after like four weddings and a funeral when he was just starting to blow up. Yeah, and so I think it would have been funny if Letterman the next night would have had Divine Brown, the prostitute in question, <laughs> on his. Show. If that happens today, does Chris does he does his career go under? I don't think so. Yeah, because you could what the, the right PR firm. You can do a I'm a woke set like supportive uh, sex work person. <laughs> like they're like, you know what I do? I subscribe to all these girls only fans. I only jack off to consent. Uh, <laughs> they, like like they have like you know like I'm super and I I don't cat call when I get a hooker. I'm like I don't know. There's there's definitely, but I feel like dude like. Only like you got to be like a huge degenerate if you're rich and you're like getting like in car blowies from like streetwalkers. Allegedly, <laughs> I had a friend who worked on uh, the package, which was a Gene Hackman movie in Chicago, and uh, allegedly <laughs> Gene Hackman got arrested at the North Avenue Bridge, which was in the late '80s, early '90s, was notorious for street prostitutes. Well, and. And they stopped production for a couple of days. Allegedly. Allegedly. Okay. But my friend didn't work for a couple of days. See, I used to that live off a... in East Hollywood right off Western Avenue. And oh, yeah. a lot of hookers right there. But like, not so much where I lived up above Santa Monica, but down by Melrose, yes. And sometimes I would have to take the Melrose bus and walk through it late night. And it was insane because like, sometimes it would be like a little early or whatever. People would be like, I'd be walking by and dudes would be like, no nah, man, you got to come back later. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? But like, what they did to combat that was they made it like no right turns on the side streets between the hours of like midnight and four a.m. I always wondered. I was like, why can't I turn here? Like, I remember being irritated by that. It's because the the people most likely to turn between those hours are people fucking soliciting sex. And so the people that live in those neighborhoods most likely are already home is their rationale. Like you need to prove you can live, you live on that street or have a like reason to be on that street or whatever. And it helps. I think if you don't have a hooker in the car with you, that's going to, that's yeah, it's usually a dead giveaway of what you're up to. For the- <laughs> I had, when I lived in Vegas, I had, I lived like I had a furnished apartment not far from, I think it was on Harmon. Is that the street near the hard rock? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the street right there. Yep. But I, uh, and I had like prostitutes in my parking lot, like in the day. And I'm like, this isn't even like near anything. I was like so confused because yeah. I was like, what are you like cruising the old dudes who live in my building? I don't get it. Dude, because uh, like I, it was funny. Mina, I, before I got my car, a coworker, a coworker would give me a ride home. 
One of them was giving me a ride home, and we saw this like right there, like in the residential part where I live. Like it's it was a uh, at Antelope and Alta. If anybody <laughs> knows Vegas, it was right there, and it's like a I mean it's a straight residential neighborhood, and um, this girl like starts running, and I was like, oh man, what's she doing? And he and my friend goes like, it looks like she found a date, and I'm like, yeah, right. And then sure enough, like there was some dude in a work truck backing up, and she ru- she ran down and hopped in the truck with him. I was like, oh my god, you're right. Like. It's broad daylight. They're just turning tricks like nothing. Like, this is insane. That's legal. God bless. Make the buck. It's not legal in Clark County here, where the, where the city of Vegas is located. How does that? Really? Yeah. No, it's... But it is. I, when I was in the casinos, that's all I saw. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, you would see a schlubby guy with like two hot women, and you're like, that's not natural. No. Uh, no, it's it's technically illegal in the city limits. Uh, even though the people are passing out like flyers for call girls all all day and all night, like uh, Perump, I think I, I think that's I think that's the name of the thing. I think that that's the place where there's the brothel, closest place. I asked a friend, and it's the closest place where there's brothels, and that's where everybody gets the fireworks. And the funny thing about that is uh, where where all the fireworks, they like the county where most of the fireworks are sold. It's a dry county for fireworks here. So you have to buy the fireworks, I guess, if you want to bring it back to Vegas. You have to buy the fireworks and then buy a 24-hour pass saying that you can uh, you can fucking uh, have the fireworks in that county line for 24 hours. And the reason why they do that is because a lot of these guys end up going to these brothels while they're on a fireworks run. And they fucking stay there for hours and they go over and they can go bust them for a fucking fireworks possession inside the county where they buy the fireworks. It's, it's, a, it's a municipal racket on another level, dude. Old old Vegas doesn't exist anymore. No, no, no. The old mob Vegas is long, long dead. But so when you were no, out no. here, you were out here for uh, Second City Vegas, right? Or Second yeah, City I came, Chicago. I was not. Sorry, I'm trying to find there's a monitor on. I can't find it. But I can hear my daughter banging on a piano. There it is. Okay. Okay. I had to unplug that. I didn't know if you could hear that. No, I could not hear it at all. So. Oh. That was. Um, um... Yeah, I came out there. It was before, a few months before 9 11. Uh, you know, I was around there about that time then. Around, really? Uh, I worked for a merchandising company where we set up the new, the new Albertson stores. And remodeled the old ones, the old Lucky stores that they were turning into Albertsons. So we set up these stores. And in they Vegas? Were, yeah. And I would come out like Sunday afternoons and then go back to California Friday nights. And sometimes oh, I'd stay wow. over the weekend. Well, I was drinking a lot back then. So I probably we were. But I usually went to the Crown and Anchor. Okay. Which I don't know if that. Is that it's like a British pub? Like, definitely not on the street. Uh, you know what? I I just, dude, I fucking drove by that the other day. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's over kind of by UNLV, right? I think. I don't remember. I yeah. didn't have a car, which I, uh, so I relied <laughs> on others or I walked, which was, you know, when it's 120 degrees out, walking to work is a real motherfucker. No, yeah, that's not fun at all. And there's no Uber back in those days. And, no, I would cut through. Like, we didn't I mean, get Uber until right after 9-11. <laughs> I would walk to the casinos. Oh, man, when 9-11 hit, like, we did two shows the night of 9-11 at the Flamingo. Are you serious? Yeah, because people were stranded. Like, remember, that no one could yeah, fly. Yeah, because no one was going to fly, like, yeah. so. And I was like, this is either going to be the best two shows of our lives because everyone just needs it, or it's going to be a fucking disaster and... 
it was a fucking disaster. <laughs> the shows were hit. Like, I mean, it was like, you know, because we were improvised a little bit. So there'd be something like, you know, like, hey, I got a knife or a gun. And then everybody in their head would go, those guys had knives and guns or whatever. The, the box cutters. Box cutter. Yeah, like somebody. And so, like, so you couldn't do it. And like nothing. It was just like. And I think everybody was in shock and like, you know, it was like we should have canceled the shows. But yeah. I think it was and then like the couple days I'd left maybe a week later because I was the last first tired. So I was the first fired. But like, but it was like dead. Like you'd walk through the casinos and it would be like sparse. It was like surreal. Yeah, that's crazy. Cause I, I, I left doing that job right before 9-11, I want to say. So I was not working there. I wasn't in town during that, but my, my, a couple of my friends that still worked there were, and I was like, oh man, like, that's crazy. Like, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was there to save money to move to LA. Uh, and then I ended up having to go back to New York and uh, New York city. So after being freaked out and depressed in Vegas, I went to New York where I could like a week and a half after and just like listen to sirens blaring down the street with dead butt and smelling oh, burning computers and flesh <laughs> and then i just i hated new york because i'd lived in new york before and i was just like like how long total were you in new york between the two times uh, i would i lived there for six months and then i went home for christmas and i was like fuck it i'm staying in chicago because fuck fuck it because you know i was just like I, New York to me, I was like, it's the limit. It's a, I wanted to write and, and I was like, there's like two shows that I'm going to be able to work on. And if I don't, everybody and their mother wants on those two shows or three shows. Yeah. And I was, so I was just like, I was just like, I was like, eventually I'm going to have to move to LA. So why don't I just cut to the chase? And I was like, just kind of not doing well. And I didn't, my friends had grown had I had friends there that were like working on Conan and SNL and they turned into fucking assholes. And I just was like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> like they would like everything I did. They're like, Hey, man, like trying to tell me how to do stuff. And I was like, Hey, remember when we started together? Like, just cause you got a TV show doesn't mean you now get to tell me how to do things. Yeah. Uh... So I, so I had left. I was like, I'm, I bought a ticket and I was like, I'm leaving New York. If I have five bucks or 5,000, I'm out of here. Thankfully, I ended up with the five thousand. Because <laughs> I, but I would have done it. I would have just been like, I'll get a fucking job at a pizza stand. I don't give a shit. I'll figure it out somehow. Yeah, no, like uh, I'm always kind of like amazed, like, like how many comics now have moved to New- how many are in New York? Like how big the stand up scene. I mean, well, it always has been, but it's just like L.A. does seem like the better place to. Uh, be in for a stand up big if you're going to be in a major like LA or Chicago seem like way better just to me because you're not New York is so goddamn expensive same with like San Francisco like yeah that was the thing it's like people would be like yeah I got rats in my apartment but that's New York I'm like fuck that like, yeah that's it's not that great of a city to be like I might get tuberculosis because I have rodents I mean LA is expensive too but at least in LA you have like your own space like you don't have people up your ass like in New York. I mean, like you can go outside. Yeah. When I moved to L, because I moved November thirteenth of two thousand one, and I ended up getting an apartment in Echo Park for like five fifty. So it was like you, L.A. was cheap. Yeah. At that point. At that point. Oh, yeah. you know, you fucking grew up here. So yep. like when it suddenly when it started getting expensive, I was like, what the fuck is going on here? I'll never forget when Echo Park first started going expensive. So I was always like, you know, what? when it's time for me to move from Whittier into the city, 
I've known of friends who find like really dope spots for like four fifty a month there, you know, and I was like, oh, I'll be able to do that. And when I lived in Echo Park, I did have a place that I got for four ninety five, dude. But literally, it was in the, like basically the the so it was they converted like old supply closet kind of thing, where I had to share a bathroom with the other two units on the floor. It was a nightmare, dude. It was awful. My place was uh, definitely had a slumlord, but I lived alone. My neighbors were loud as fuck, but it was like, you know, there was like that Asian market down on Sunset, like in Echo Park, where like you could go get a banh mi sandwich for like three bucks. Like, it, like you could live and be a dumb fuck dick around artist back then, and then yeah. suddenly, then now it's like, I always get the dollar pupusas at the park. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you could. <laughs> And then it's like if you were super broke, like you just get a cheap six pack and you could go out, you know, you outside. You my outside. my super broke move when I lived there was uh, you go to a. Uh, this is, I mean, this is a long time ago because you can't do this at Gold Room now. But go to the Gold Room before oh, yeah, Do- before Dodger games, where you get free taco. I mean, it was free tacos whenever you went, but before Dodger games, they did the two dollar Gold Room special, which was a PBR and a shot of tequila. Yeah, I, I went. When I first moved to that neighborhood, I went there all there and Little Joy. When Little Joy was like, when it was like a punk bar. Well, yeah, but it was also it was mixed because there was one night where like I kind of got into something like some I drunkenly thought somebody sat my chair and then got into a thing and then everyone's like it's cool it's cool, but my buddy was like went and shook one of the guy's hands and my buddy was like a street dude like and he was like he just sat down next to me he's like we're gonna go out we're gonna say we're gonna have a cigarette and we're not coming back because that dude's hands are fucking like cement and i think these guys want to fuck us up when we like when it's closing time these guys are going to get us and i think he was right yeah so we we did just that we're like hey man we'll be right back and put the fucking coaster on the beer and cause that <laughs> dude because they kept eyeing me too they're like okay okay and it was just a dumb like i was like oh no this is my seat and it wasn't even like hostile i was just like oh and they were like no no that's her seat and i was like no i'm pretty sure it's mine <laughs> it's like Oh man! But, or it was a guy. It wasn't a girl, because I wouldn't do that to a, a woman. I'm a gentleman. So, <laughs> sort of kind of. Uh, Either way, I didn't get my. I I ended my day with my teeth still intact. Did you ever run into the uh, like wise guys and stuff growing up in Chicago? Was that like a like a part? I of... worked at a bar, not much, but I worked at a bar uh, in uh, called Burton Place, and it was on Wells and. I would work upstairs on Wednesday nights and there was a guy who would play smile and Dave who did piano songs and he was terrible. But like one night I came in and he was like, Hey, you know what this is? And I was like, yeah, it's a Christmas party, like a private party for this flower company. He's like, no, this is like cayenne call girls. And I was like, okay, pal. And then it would literally like chicks who look like cayenne prostitutes. <laughs> like some woman was like, Hey, can I put my purse behind the bar? Gave me a 20. And I was like, oh, and then it was all like, and this was like right when Goodfellas came out too. And it was, and it was open bar. And it was like, these dudes were, t- it was all like, it was all Paulies. And it was all like. <laughs> Bunch of Peter Pauls and uh, Vinnies and Vitos. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. What, what's the joke in the Irishman? Uh, Vinny, Vinny, Vinny. What is it? What is th- Oh, yeah. It's oh, a- they're all named Vinny. Yeah. It's all the. Uh- Tony, 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 just like the band Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> but yeah, these guys were tipping me like 10, 20 bucks a drink. Like it was crazy. And then the last 
the open bar and I just saw Goodfellas. So all I'm thinking in my head all night is fucking dance for it, spider. (laughs) And then then, like the end of like the open bar ended and I was like, Hey, you got to pay. And they were just like, no. And I was like, fuck it. These guys are, I don't give a shit. Yeah, These guys are going to tip me 20 bucks. I'm like, I'm just going to keep pouring free drinks. I made, this is 1991. I made $600 after I tipped out my bar back and cook. Wow. $600. Bartending and a wise guy party, dude. Hell yeah. And like, dude, like, I don't think the owner, when, when the owner knew who they were when they booked it. I probably. So, I mean, I mean or, yeah, I mean. It certainly wasn't a floral company. Do you ever listen to the Talking Sopranos podcast? No, but I've been wanting to because my buddy Paul Turner says it's great. It's really good. And Imperioli tells funny stories of like, because he grew up in New York and he has funny stories of like being a waiter and bartender growing up in New York while he was first starting out in acting. And I guess he worked at like a mobbed up like a wedding hall where he accidentally spilled like a baked clam and with the sauce all over some ladies, like the the, bri- the mother of the bride's like white oh, dress. God. And he thought he was going to get killed. And and the, his boss was just like, yeah, just, just take the shift off, dude. Get out of here. Dude. <laughs> like the, These guys are just going to sit here and drink and get pissed off about you all night until somebody does something. Like, <laughs> Wow. Yeah, who's the other dude he hosts it with? Steve Sharippa, who used to be yeah. the uh, entertainment booker here at the Riviera back in the day. Oh, really? Yeah. Because he, uh, I guess he talks shit on De Niro a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he or hates he... Robert De Niro. <laughs> like with and the he, doesn't hold, he, he doesn't hold back. I guess he shit talks everybody. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty good. And like, what's cool about it is like, if you haven't listened to The Sopranos, watched Sopranos in a while, like each episode, uh, they do a breakdown of, so they, they haven't watched it since the show first aired. So it's them doing a watch along, but then they have all these interviews from the cast and crew and just celebrity fans and whatnot. Like they just had Alec Baldwin on as a celebrity fan this week. How long is the an episode? Dude, some of them were like three hours now. The, the early ones were like an hour, hour and a half, but now, dude, they're just like got three. It's like the more sponsors they get, they're like, yeah, we crank out another forty five minutes for another ad read kind of thing. Oh, shit, they're probably ranking ranking it in. And it's entertaining. I mean, just the recaps of the episodes alone are funny because you get all these weird. I love that show so much. And you get all these weird details. Like, we were all out drinking the night before we shot this. <laughs> we, we, none of us wanted to do it. Kind of like, How many times have you watched it all the way through? Probably like seven, eight now. <laughs> Whoa. Something like that. Because like, that and Always Sunny, um, those two, I kind of alternate. We're all just throw it on, and as I'm like working on my show or working on stuff on my computer, writing whatever, I just keep something on in the background. So I just yeah, constantly have it going, like a lot of the times. I would do that, but I can't watch Sopranos with two kids in the living room. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, what's a skifuza? <laughs> I do taxi driver though. Like, sorry, but they're gonna watch the greats. Yeah. I've seen the. The Wire probably four or five times all the way. Through. I think I'm like four times on that. I think now. I think I yeah. And I've been like, do I? I was like recently thinking, like, do I want to watch one of those, either of those again? It's, it's, it's like an investment because that's like that's a haul. Both man, of them are a haul. I'll say this, man. Every time I rewatch The Wire, each one that I forget how gut punching the the whole the, the the four kids from in the school season, like season four, or whatever, whatever. Yeah. Like how sad it is, how the, like the one kid basically becomes the next Bubbles, 
the one kid just gets beat up by the foster system. Like, I mean, it's just just heartbreaking. And like the, I, the I, shittiest I, one out of I, all of them gets adopted by a nice family. <laughs> <laughs> I wept because I cried because it was over the first time I watched it. But, but I was also just like, it's heart wrenching because it is. It's just like, fuck, it just keeps going, doesn't it? Yeah, like uh, Omar may get shot, but this next kid now, he's the new guy who robs drug dealers. Like that that did role you, still needs to be filled. Like, spoiler alert, sorry. You, that's what I noticed re-watching The Wire is that that the kid who kills him is like if you there's a couple scenes where like he's doing really fucked up shit in the background there's one where he's lighting a cat on fire yeah 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 so, yeah yeah, yeah I know. i was like i didn't notice that the first time it took like two or three times i was like holy fuck that's like that's the layered fucking show no and there's also a scene where he when he sees omar on the street and they robbed the corner that they're working on together and he the kid that that little kid he's just like that's omar looks like a punk bitch like he like he, oh that's right and it's like whoa dude well turns out he wasn't afraid of him after all everybody else was but not this little kid like but now that makes me want to watch it again because i didn't i for somehow i must have noticed that and it's crazy too the way it all ties together because a lot of people hate on season two because of the doc stuff but i really like that one i yeah they got a lot of shit for it too because i think people thought they were trying to white up the show was it the Maybe I read that from Dave Simon, David Simon, because people thought, but he was like, we had a plan. Like, yeah, yeah. The whole thing was extremely well planned out. Yeah, no, because season one is basically the guys on the corner, the everyday drug dealers. And then season two, it goes to the, well, how do the major traffickers move it through the docks? And then, and it's all about the docks and the ports and all that. And then season three, it's more about City Hall and how does their input, like, how does the relationship of the police department to City Hall impact po- local politics? And season four, it's more about the school district. Season five is about the media. Like each each season, you introduce a whole new crew of characters, and it tells a whole new story on top of what's already been going on. I don't know how much fucking work that took. Like that, just like I put together their little dipshit fucking like here's my little fucking dumb idea, <laughs> and it's like no, we're and I'm like, god damn, this is hard. And it's like that must have taken somebody I knew had the Bible. I didn't look at it, but it was like. They put a Bible together, and it was like a literally like the size of a Bible. Well, dude, the crazy thing to me about David Simon and David Chase with The Wire and The Sopranos specifically is those guys both came from just like pretty like basic ass network TV shows. Well, Simon was a reporter. Yeah, and he also worked on Homicide. Yeah, that's based on. I have that book. I have yet to read it, but it's like he was a homicide reporter for like yeah. years, and and then got on the like what was it the CBS show Homicide or whatever, and then. But David Chase, like he did stuff like Northern Exposure before Sopranos. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like if you look at his stuff, like there's nothing that like he did before that. I mean, I liked Northern Exposure when I, I was 12, 13 or whatever it was on, but it's like there was only a handful of TV shit. Like when you didn't have I, I we didn't have cable those years, I don't think. So it was like you're really limited in what you get to watch. So you better find a show on one of the four networks every night that you like, or you're <laughs> fucked. Like we had WGN. So I had, didn't you have like UF, UHF channels? Or is that yeah, UHF? no, because like, I think we would, we would switch where we would, no, we would have the basic cable only. And then we would get rid of the premium. We didn't have the premium. So oh, I remember so the did. early days of HBO, we didn't have a lot of that. But uh, uh, we, my parents wouldn't get anything. But like when I was a kid, we had like two UHF channels. So we had. Th- yeah, uh, see, I didn't get those because we had the basic cable package. Oh, because we had WGN. 
And then we had WFLD, which later became Fox. But See, I got show... WGN, too. I, I watched a lot of Cubs, Bulls, and uh, White Sox games growing up. There you go. Same with a lot of Braves I mean, games on on TBS. That's right. And then I, we also I, had the Angels-Dodgers local. I mean, so watched a lot of sports growing up with having those access to those two and then all the Southern California local stuff. It's I think it's stupid. Like the Cubs are like having their own network. It's like you had so many fans because you had were on WGN. And yep. now that just like it's the same with the the Dodgers. It's like having your own network. It's like I can't I live I can't watch a Dodgers game. Yeah, you I live in LA and it's harder for it's easier for me to watch one in Vegas. And like I think they've kind of t- chiseled down on this territory now too. It's stupid cuz like when they started going like digital cable channels in Southern California, I remember like when I was like late teens, early 20s or whatever. Dude, it got so much better when there was basically a two different Fox Sports affiliates, right? One did like Angels, UCLA, Clippers, Ducks. The other one did like U- Dodgers, USC, Lakers, Kings, or whatever. You know, like and like they had it like them divvied up, and it was like between these two channels, you had every local sporting event. You didn't have to worry about it. Like that was included. And then once they started getting their own channel kind of thing, it's like the Dodgers fucking sign a deal to not make it available to anybody in the goddamn city. It's the and they're, what they're doing is they're screening themselves out of fans 20 years from now. I agree. And I, I gave up on the Cubs because I just got, I mean, I get sick of their owners because they were way far up Trump's ass and like raising money for them. And, but on top of that, then it was just like, just fucking greed. Like they're just so yeah. fucking greedy. And I'm just like, you know what? You don't, they got their championship and now they know they can milk that. And they'll like say shit like, well, we can't invest in, players they got like, their yeah, championship just, when they could have invested into a dynasty and that's what's fucked they up. could have had a dynasty but they just keep putting their money in that fucking neighborhood to make it's like well but we'll build another hotel and <laughs> they, they just want to own the whole neighborhood well the oakland hey, a the oakland a's billionaire owners even though that the, the warriors left the oakland for san francisco the raiders left oakland for las vegas so the oakland a's are the only team left in town the oakland a's billionaire owners refuse to put a deal together with the city of Oakland or whatever because the city of Oakland won't pay public money, which they shouldn't have to. And now no. they're trying to get a billion dollars of public money from, from Vegas to come build a stadium for the A's. Oh, wow. Hey, can I go pee real quick? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll pause real quick. We're back. Matt's on peeing. He did it in my <laughs> mouth. <laughs> you said you at the beginning, too, you were like, well, you've been going against your instincts. Like, whatever your instincts are, you bet on the opposite but then isn't that technically using your instincts is that you using your cunning brain Scott? i mean i guess it is but it's like i i it's it gets me out of the habit of overthinking it and kind of stuff like that it's like and honestly i talk a lot about gambling on here but people would be shocked to learn i mostly only bet like i rarely more than like 10 bucks on a game like during march madness i'll start i'll start going big but uh and during football season i will once i once i have a lot of house money i'll start betting big but I just do like I'll, I'll put I'll do like a forty dollar deposit in my account, and then I'll just nickel and dime them with two dollar bets until I hit one of those like two dollar parlays that pays like fifty sixty bucks, and then I start playing five ten bucks a bet on their money until I get a knockback down, and I'm just constantly trying to play on the house money. Oh, that's smart. I I I, I was taught how to play craps in the lobby of Second City in Chicago, oddly by Jay Johnston, who now is running from the FBI because of his- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude, because he tried to storm the Capitol. Oh, dude, I have a um, Mr. Show. You think I don't have a Mr. Show drop on here? Come on. Come on. What is it? Before I die, 
I'm going to fuck me a fish. Yeah, there it was. It was the David Cross saying, before I die, I'm going to fuck me a fish. <laughs> but I loved playing crap so much. I was like, I'm never doing this again. Like, I had a blast. I was like, don't ever do this again. Oh, yeah. I know me, and I know I'm impulsive and, like, don't think things through. And now, would, if would, you're playing just, myself. like, street money craps, as long as you take the uh, the other side, like, the bet to take everybody to lose... I mean, you have the same mathematical advantage the casino does. So it's like, oh, I don't know that. So I mean, it's it. So what what people will do to get rid of that a lot of times is they'll bar one of the first two rolls or something like that to try and give like make it a more of an even match. But even then, like, do you ever go? Do you go to the casinos and gamble much, or do you do other? You do, you uh, sound like you do sport mostly. Mostly sports, sports and horses, yeah. Horse and horses. Yeah, like I'll I'll go and bet horses for like the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, the Belmont, stuff like that for the big ones. You go, you go to like an OTV. Yeah, just the 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 sports books at the casino. Because yeah, I just I remember I had a friend take me to an OTB in Chicago. Where it was like that. It's like you could see all the. Yeah, yeah, they have all of them going. Yes, so most of the sports book here, like half of it will be for horse races, and the other half will be for sports. Oh uh, yeah, this was like, and I'm a guy who loved CD depressing bars and. The OTB in Chicago is like, this is fucking hell. Yeah, that's like, that's 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 even depressing for you, dude. Like, because it was just like old old dudes just smoking and drinking, and it was just like it was actually terrible. just this weekend, uh, me and a buddy from work met over at the casino and uh, fully vax life now. So we met over and had some had a few beers in the the lounge at the in the sports book because they have all the TVs in the lounge there. It's a perfect place to watch like two hockey games, two basketball games, and keep an eye on a couple of baseball games all at once and. You know, I'll just sit there with a couple bucks on each game, having fun. And but this like the shadiest fucking dude walks in, and he's wearing a lay, and he's got like a tiki drink like cup. But like I, I know I've lived here two years now, and I know that that's my favorite casino, my local casino that I go to all the time. That's where I have my mobile, one of my mobile, my main mobile account through. And so like I'm there quite a bit for the most part. And uh, like I, I'll go there just to pick up a sandwich. You know, just I like it's five minutes from my pad. And uh, this guy's like, I'm like, there's not a tiki bar within like 15 miles of here. What's this guy's deal? <laughs> and like, and then of course he's got a bag, and we're watching him. And then his shady buddy comes up, and he's got a bag, and we're just sitting there kind of waiting to watch the exchange because you know it's going to go down. But they kind of just dicked around, and I was thinking, I'm all, actually, I think they might just be homeless. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'm kind of a dick. Like, I'm kind of like you know like uh, using poor prejudice on these people but like sports book i've said this before on the show sports books are one of the most perfect place for a like a homeless dude for a hobo to hang out if you're a, sure. because in a lot of them like the one that the suncoast there you have private tvs in the horse section so if you just kind of mind your you know on a slow day not many people there kind of post up you know you got your own little private tv watch whatever you want you beat the heat you're in the air conditioning all day get some free waters at the bar you're doing all right that's what I was going to ask. How how cheap are the beers at that place? Oh, they're like five bucks for like a oh. import, and like I think they're like three fifty for domestics. Oh, that's pretty good, dude. You can buy uh, buckets there though for six for fifteen bucks, and mix and match buckets, and they have like like eight different beers that you can pick, like Corona, Heineken, uh, Goose Island, like a few other ones. Do you ever go to the strip? Only when LA friends are in town. Because <laughs> I like, w- I went there for my birthday a couple years ago, and we ended up on like old Vegas, like, like Fremont Street. 
yeah, that was great. I guess that's getting hip again, which makes sense. Yeah. Or like with the young kids, which is, I mean, it's way, way better. Dude, you know what they have there? They have a Griffin, like the one over on, in Atwater. They do? Yeah. And I don't know if it's the same ownership. It's the same fucking sign and logo. I'm like, oh, do Proud Boys hang out here? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? I forget. We hung at the Conquistador. Some, I forget what it's called, but I loved it. The El Cortez like, downtown is dope. That's dude. where we were. That's where Yeah, we were. that place is awesome. Because that's like, that's the last of the old Vegas casinos, really. Like, I hope they don't fuck it up. Which they probably will. You know, that's the last one that I know of that doesn't just do the vouchers. Like, it'll actually cash you out in quarters at some of the machines there. You got to get really? the big bucket of quarters. Yeah, because most of them are now just cash vouchers you take back to the cage or whatever. But I wonder if there, there's a that bar that's with a, got a lot of white lights. It's also in Casino. De Niro, the Mint? Sharon Stone. Go. What? The Mint? There's the I Mint mean, bar that's like got like... like that looks like an old 60s bar, kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that still around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that one. There's, dude. Uh, like, I went to the Double Down a lot. I, I really like the uh, um, there's a place called the Tap Room over on Charleston Boulevard. That's the one I like. It's an Ital- It's an Italian Cleveland Browns bar. <laughs> I know that place. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> and they have not changed that place since like 1972, dude. I couldn't tell you what it looked like, but I know I've been there because I remember being like, "What Cleveland Browns?" Yeah, a, a Cleveland Browns Italian bar. You're not gonna, you don't see many Italian bars. It's usually an Italian restaurant that has a bar at it. That must have been somebody in the cast must have been a Browns fan, and that's probably why I went and ended up there. I went to a Vikings bar too, like on the other side of town. It was like another one that's like straight out of the 1970s we were like dude they not they have not changed it's like fake wood paneling on the walls like <laughs> see that's the kind of that's the place i want to be at that's what i like that's oh man a, and then i liked i mean i, I liked the double down because they had a good jukebox like they had a jukebox that i liked and it the, was like there's a spot there's 10 15 minute walk from where i live now called the end zone and it's like a Michigan football Pittsburgh Steelers bar, and I, who knows how it, that became about. But what's cool about that one is I'm a well, I'm a Steelers fan, so I've gone there to watch games before. But uh, dude, during happy hour, like if the bartenders know, like they have a four dollars sixteen ounce Miller Lights, which is not a bad deal. But during happy hour, they're two bucks. But if the bartenders there know you, and like if you're live in the neighborhood, and you've been there four times, they remember you, kind of thing. Uh, Dude, those they'll give you the thirty-two ounce cans of Miller Lite instead of the sixteen ounce cans, and so like, dude, like, there's been times I've gone there for happy hour, and it's like, and the way they run it there at all the local bars is that they, if you're playing video poker, they just give you the comps. Well, there's a lot of degenerates that don't drink that just play the video poker. So what these guys will do is they'll just give me their comp drinks if you know, I'm not playing video poker. So I've sat there and got blackout drunk at a couple of these spots my bar tab at the end of that night is like twelve dollars it's like what the fuck happened to me? <laughs> but they probably you probably make up for it in tips so that's probably like, oh yeah i or, tip them well yeah yeah I i'm sure you do i know you yeah. I board, i've waited on you yeah you've bartended for me <laughs> i Dude. wondered what it's like to bartend in vegas i mean it's got to be brutal well there's three shifts at every bar that's a long yeah so like you know there's like most of them we do like 10 to 6 6 to 2 2 to 10 
You work one of those three. Six to two is fucking long. I've done that. I've done that. I did a, worked at a bar in Sierra Madre, and I worked from, I think, six to two. And it was like, but it was just me. So no matter how busy it was, it was me. Dude, so if it was packed. I've gotten, I've done it a couple of times here where it's like I start with when the, get there at nine o'clock when the one bartender's leaving. And you don't realize it, but you drink all night, and it's like seven a.m. and you're on to your third bartender of the night. You're like, "What the fuck? Holy shit!" Have you done that since you lived there? Yeah, yeah, I know. Because like when I first moved here, I was I kept treating it like well, I was still in L.A., where I drink at home until like nine, ten, eleven o'clock or whatever, and then go over to the bar. And I'm used to in L.A. doing that, saving money by home drinking before I go out, and then I, I get kicked out at two a.m go back home and drink more right but here it's like they don't they don't it's 24 hours so it's like you do that kick you out yeah no no they want you to keep spending money so and like and honestly though the the one spot by me the west cliff lodge they have incredible food there like really good chicken wings and really good burgers and sandwiches like i really really just like i've gotten a lot of uh takeout from there like i'll just run in have a quick beer because i'm getting some chicken wings or whatever to go like um, but like, dude, like, yeah, you know, like then all of a sudden I'd be stumbling out. It's like six fucking in the morning. It's like, oh shit. Dude. Like I'm not, I'm used, I'm not used to that. Like I'm used to someone being like, last call time to go home. I, I never stayed out past two when I lived in, I don't know why. Cause I came from New York. I came from, I went from Chicago to New York. Chicago's four o'clock bar has four o'clock bars that are five on Saturdays. Every bar gets it. There's two and four clocks in Chicago on Saturdays. They get an extra hour and New York's just four o'clock. So when I came to LA or Vegas, for some reason, I always went home early and I always, anytime I did too, I missed some kind of like something epic brawl, be it a brawl or be it a, some woman crawling on the bar and everybody fingering her. <laughs> well, that's what I do. What <laughs> but somebody was like, yeah, man, it was great. And I was like, I don't think so. Like, that's not a person having in maybe they are having fun. But to me, that sounds like maybe maybe somebody's working some stuff out. (laughs) (laughs) Sandy, that's the lady I worked with. (laughs) You're just letting strangers. I mean, whatever. Maybe that is what they think is fun. But I don't want to. I just or I'd miss some like weird epic fight. And I was always like people were like, man, yeah, you just left just in time. I was like. Oh, cool. Thank God. Yeah, I always, nowadays, like, dude, like, the other night, I was home by 9 o'clock when I went to the casino. Night, like, 9, 9.15. Yeah, I'm also old. Yeah, you're older I mean, than I wasn't me. then. <laughs> no, but, then like. I was, like, 30, 31. Yeah, I don't like to, uh, dude, because, like, to me, the casinos take a real dark turn right after about 1 a.m. Yep, that's, I think, why I got out of there. Because like, they'd be, like, at the double down, people would be, like, fucking on a couch, and I'm, like. Now, some of the neighborhood bars are fun in the middle of the night. So I will not, I can't lie about that. There's, I, I can take you to the Golden Tiki, which is a bar I've plugged on here so many goddamn times. They should at least subscribe to my Patreon. Um, but the Golden Tiki, I've gone there and got there like at two, three in the morning, and it's bumping. It's like, because that's where a lot of the people that work at like the strip places go to after work. Yeah, so it's like they're just getting their night started there. I wonder if I've been there. Because that's what, I mean, that was like, yeah, you'd go with the show people because we always hung out with like the Blue Man musicians, a couple of the Blue Men. Yeah, that place is pretty cool. Strippers. Uh, I like in downtown. Uh, Evil Knievel's son now has a pizza spot called Evil Pie. 
Oh, I think I ate there the last time I was in town. Yeah, dude, and they got like rattlesnake pizza and shit, dude. It's pretty good. I had, uh, yeah, I ate at Guy Fieri's place. Well, he's an icon. Yeah, you're gonna. gonna, I gonna turn that down. Those nachos were fucking great. Hey, you know what I was thinking about earlier today? Um, because like you're talking about you serving me as a bartender. This was at Bar 107. One of the we talked about Golder, but. Bar 107 to me is one of the great L.A. bars that no longer exists. Cause, and I'm glad it didn't get powerhoused or gold room where they keep the sign and they keep the name, but they turn it into like a hipster craft cocktail bar. It loses all of its charm on the inside. Still empty. There's nothing there. Oh, man. Someone should buy and it and bring it back, dude. They're opening. They built out a bar, but you know the Escondite? Did you ever go to the Escondite? No, I think I went there once with like Brido and Burns and Bronger and a bunch of people. Yeah, they built a new version of the it's not open yet, but I've seen it and it's like it's all the one oh seven stuff. It's a bigger space and it's a better bar actually. And I think that's they're gonna try to make it like that again. Okay. My bartending days are behind me. But it will be <laughs> it'll be great. I couldn't. I my last couple bar jobs. Okay, so uh, I was thinking about this though. When you I went to your album recording at Bar One Hundred Seven. When you recorded your album there, and were you there? Yeah, yeah. I get I get so drunk immediately afterwards. (laughs) Like it was like a blur. No, it was great because I remember you did one of my favorite jokes of yours. The one about how uh, when your herpes flares up, your dick looks like Joe Pesci at the end of a mob movie. Not when my herpes. I don't want anybody to think I got herpes. <laughs> that I had so much unprotected sex, it looked like it got beat up by Joe. Pesci. Okay, yeah, it should should look like Joe. Pesci. Yeah, that okay. See, I butchered it. That's but why I'm I... married, so if I had herpes, it wouldn't matter. <laughs> you know, I'd just have given it to my wife, and we'd be like, "Well, we're well that, 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 that's the kind of couple we are." <laughs> we're the herpes couple. Well, I guess there's no swinging for us, huh? <laughs> no, but um, no. Okay, so to me, I that moment might have been the watershed moment of when my life in Los Angeles peaked. <laughs> like I, I never would have thought of it at the time. But that was right before everything really went downhill. Like before, like places like Bar One Hundred Seven started closing down. Before, like you know, like uh, people were kicked out of their apartments in droves. You know, like and they were building these luxury apartment buildings that were only get five percent. It was starting then, but it hadn't like completely decimated the city yet in a lot of ways. It's crazy. It's such a different city now. Yeah. Like I was in Echo Park maybe two, three weeks ago, and I was like, I don't even. I'm, I don't recognize this fucking place. Dude, I was in town um, like uh, April. Like three, four weeks. Yeah. And I was uh, I was mostly just in Glendale and Atwater. That's all. I, I didn't really leave that area. I was in Eagle Rock. I visited Sean and Tess a little in Eagle Rock. But then I was staying with Maddie Goldberg in uh, Atwater. That's where I was shooting at. And then I got some food in Glendale one night. But like, other than that, yeah, like it, it just... Like I don't know, it, it didn't. I, I guess you know they're right. You can't you can't go home again. Like it just felt so different and weird having been gone for a couple of years. I mean, we moved outside the city four years ago, and it's like, yeah, where are you at? We, Monrovia. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know that area. And it's still like it's. I mean, but then they're doing the same thing here. They're fucking throwing up luxury apartment buildings, and it's just jacking everybody's rent. So it's like you know, it used to be a nice town that was like mixed working class, and then the people who lived north of Foothill had the money. Yeah. 
where we live now, it's south of Huntington. And it's like we live in the uh, townhouse area. And it's like it's clear divide of like you cross this street. And this is where the people have the less money. But they're trying to get rid of this shit, too. Well, where I grew up in Whittier, um, I always thought we had it good because we were above the train tracks. But that's because I went to a, my elementary school was down below the train tracks. And so I walked down there every day. But then when I went to junior high, because we were below the <laughs> when I went to junior high, we we were below Whittier Boulevard, and my junior high was above, it was my first time going to school with above the Boulevard kids, and that's when I found out, no people above below the Boulevard are trash. You thought you were cool, and people below the train tracks are trash. No, 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 no. It's below the Boulevard for people above the Boulevard. I'm that. That's us now. We're below the Boulevard, and we're or below Huntington, and we're below the train tracks are just like a block north of me and it's distinctly different like yeah. it's like because we used to like we had a shitty apartment but we lived near all the nice houses and like the downtown here but we had a slumlord but i was like oh but we leave our apartment and it's like great out and now it's like now we have a great apartment but we don't we leave, go outside and it's like meh. yeah no like i've been looking at uh like because like i live like two blocks from like 6,000 square foot mansions, right? But if I go two blocks in another way, dude, it gets kind of dicey. But I'm looking toward that dicey neighborhood. I'm like, well, I can afford a two bedroom up there. <laughs> that's, a, that's a one whole room for my studio. <laughs> like, yeah, that's why we got a garage now. And that's why I'm like, oh, I can. But then I didn't think that uh, I have an air conditioner in there, but I can't record with the air conditioner on because I should try. I should test run that. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, I, dude, I also, you know, you can never have enough fans going, but, uh, see, that's one thing I like about out here is as hot as it does get, I'm just kind of hopping around from air conditioning to air conditioning from my car that's how I walk to my to house. Work. Yeah. I'd walk to cut through casino to casino to casino until I got to my casino. Yeah. That's perfect. Like, yeah, that's, uh. But get Dude, to the you can't do, casino. and you know what? You can't do that anymore on the strip. I would just drive by there the other day because I had to, Saturday. I had to go to my car dealership. Oh, this is a fun little story. Um, I had to go to my car dealership because they sent me a. Ca- I won a cash prize, and it was I won a ten dollar car, car Target gift card and two scratcher tickets, and the scratcher tickets didn't pay anything, so I, I fortunately did not win. But there, I saw on my way down there taking the freeway that on the way back there was a major accident that was shutting the entire thing down and i was like well i know exactly how to cut through there but i had to cut through by like right by the mgm in new york new york and all that and i rarely go that way and it was fucking insane there this weekend with all the tourists it was i was stuck in traffic for like 15 minutes there and i had just left this killer italian deli i discovered over on that side of town and i was so stoked to go home and try because i was just smelling my my car smelled so good on the way home (laughs) i was like oh dude i got and so yeah like uh I finally cut through it all, but, uh, it, dude, it was just insane. But I noticed, like, the way they've changed it, like, I, I don't know if it's more during COVID. I just barely go down to that part of the strip. But, like, you can't walk from one casino to the other anymore. Like, you used to be able to just walk down the sidewalk. It's all, like, roadblocked and shit and, like, to the up above. So you have to either walk into one or go to the parking lot and get an Uber to go down, like, two doors down if you want. Really? Yeah, it's insane. And people now, because Uber drivers and Lyft drivers are almost impossible to get out here right now, uh, like, you have to wait, like, like people are going to, going to the airport, it's like an hour and 45 minute wait just to go to the strip, like three blocks away. That's crazy. Yeah. 
what, so that doesn't seem good for money. Like if you can't, no people, you should just go casino to casino. I was thinking about doing Lyft coming up here because they're offering, if you do X number of rides in your first thirty days, it's a three thousand dollar bonus. I saw some. You should do that. Just do it for thirty days. You get three thousand. You get the three thousand. Well, it's like one hundred and eighty rides in thirty days, and I do work a full time job, and I do this show two days a week. So how many how many rides is that a day? Six rides. Days. That'd be six rides a day. Well, if I wait for a day with thirty one months, let's let's do that. Let's, let's wait for July or August. <laughs> give myself the extra day. <laughs> That's so, a lot. So, but yeah, it's at six a day. And so, I mean, yeah, Saturday and Sunday, I can pile more in because I have weekends off, but I'm still going to yeah, have to do a few. You're, you're working 40 hours a week? Yeah. I work Monday through Friday, 8 to 4.30. So, like, what I could probably do, here's here's a trick, I guess, is as I'm leaving work, you would turn the thing on and just get myself home. So drive people home until, but it's like, dude, at the end of the day, I just want to go home. <laughs> it would be nice to get the $3,000 bonus, but, but I saw like, yeah, dude, I've seen screenshots of horror stories where someone drove someone 16 miles and, uh, after Uber took all their fees and everything, they owed them $2. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck, dude? Like I just picked up a fare to fucking go negative $2 in the hole on that. Fuck that. It doesn't that. even make sense. I don't know. Fuck fuck that company yeah dude like i don't know it's a it's a it's a it's a scary world that's all i gotta say with the this gig economy takeover all these corporate companies writing legislation uh like was it the proposition 39 in california is that what it was i think the one that basically fucked over all the uber and lyft drivers that uber and lyft spent huge money to fight and had Obama's former Secretary of Transportation write the legislature for him. It's just absolutely. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Good, good for him for doing that for Uber. Yeah, you know, it, like Uber fucked over the tech because Rahm Emanuel, who was the mayor of Chicago, his brother is a big investor in Uber, and that's how they fucked the cabs. Is that the brother? The brother of his? That's the uh, the basis for Jeremy Piven on Entourage. Yeah. Of course it is. How did I know that? <laughs> yeah, his brother owns like a big chunk of it, and they fucked over the cabs. He owns a big um, chunk of UFC too. God, he must be fucking filthy rich. Yeah, dude, the guy, dude. Oh, and he's a Why part. Do you work still. He's a partner like fucking William Morris or whatever, dude. He owns like, and William Morris owns like the UFC. They own all kinds of shit, dude. So it's like by being when... one of the main partners there, he owns a piece of all kinds of shit. It's insane, dude. How broken of a human being are you? Like, I would just be like, oh, I got how much money? See you later, fucker. I feel like at 10, 10 million would be my magic number of no one's ever hearing from me again at that. That's enough for me and like my family, my nieces and nephews to live off for generations kind of thing. Like, yeah, I would be, I would like, why keep pounding your head against the wall? Like maybe I'd podcast, but yeah, I would, I would do, I would do this kind of stuff because it's fun, but like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be like, okay, you know what I need now? A hundred million. <laughs> and then I wouldn't yeah. go th- from there. Go, you know what I need is is this is this is not nearly enough. I need like three billion now. Like, like, I would probably buy a house in Palm Springs, and I don't golf. I don't really like golf, but I'd be like, fuck it, I'm, I'm a golfer now. <laughs> I'm rich, dude. <laughs> this is what rich guys do. <laughs> no, dude, and like, I for me, I would probably have like Brewster's millions luck. 
where it's like, okay, I, I got all the money I need. But then I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll invest in this to help a friend out. And then it ends up becoming the next Uber. And now I'm fucking it's like, oh, man, I wasn't trying to make all that money. <laughs> I don't need it. That's why I think it's dope uh, about Paul Newman. You brought him up earlier, man. Paul Newman fucking donated like almost all his money to charity when he died. And he was like, oh, my kids are taken care of. I provided for them their entire lives. Like they couldn't fucking do everything with the leg up that I gave them. <laughs> they don't deserve yeah. They probably had good education. So yeah. I think his daughter runs his chair. The, the charity. The, the sauce company or the salsa. Yeah. The, the, the salad dressings. Yeah. I guess George Clooney does that. He does a commercial. One of his commercials that he does, all the money goes and he monitors a, like he helps keep some small country in Africa, like democratic or whatever. Like he keeps, he monitors like this ruthless guy who keeps trying. I forget what the details are, but he does something like crazy and just (laughs) good with his money. It's like, as I mean, you know, he could do one movie and he never has to work again financially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like, I have to. I got. Oh, I got. Yeah. I got. I was about to say we're about running out oh, of time okay. here, man. So I, my uh, wife has to take out the dogs, and I have to make sure something somebody doesn't come in and take one of the kids. Well, uh, anything you want to plug? Make sure everybody check out Matt's show, Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I love it. You, you mostly inter- you interview musicians on that, which I think is fucking really cool. I, 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 I got. I'm gonna. I haven't interviewed him yet, but I'm gonna do Brendan Canty from Fugazi, the drummer from Fugazi. Oh, that's which awesome. Pretty stoked. Yeah. And I did. Uh, it's not. It'd probably be out in a week. But I did, uh, which was a big get Van Dyke Parks to, uh, do you know Van Dyke Parks? No. He's kind of an obscure guy, but he like co-wrote, he like, uh, what's it called? Arranges strings and shit, but he like pretty much co-wrote uh, Pet Sounds with Brian Wilson and like he's oh, worked with you know what, dude? fucking everybody. I know exactly what you're talking about because he's in the Wrecking Crew documentary. Yeah, more than likely. Yeah, he's well, they're working on pet everybody. sounds and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. I've definitely seen that in the documentary where he, him and Brian Wilson are arranging shit together. He's fucking fast. Oh, that's right. Because they, yeah, that that documentary is awesome. Have you seen the one about Stax Records? He, no. Respect yourself. Have. The history of Stax Records, and it's all about how oh, it was a mom it. and pop operation, and they had a deal, a distribution deal with Atlantic. And Atlantic called in the buyout and took all, so like all the originals they had of like Otis Redding and like Sam and Dave, Atlantic took. And they had to rebuild their catalog from scratch. And they had like I, Isaac Hayes write like 12 albums in a year for them. Wow. <laughs> it's an incredible wow. documentary. I, and I would remember that. And I mean, you I have like Booker T and the MGs. Like, I mean, some of the best studio musicians of all time came through that Sax record scene. Like, it's incredible. Like, it's a really good one. Oh, I'm going to go see if I can find that now. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, follow Matt on Twitter, uh, Matt Dwyer. And what's your Instagram? I know that's a different one. Uh, Twitter's Matt underscore Dwyer at Twitter. And then uh, the Instagram for the podcast is uh, Matt Dwyer Squire. Or you can just go to the com, and that has all links to everything. And there you have it. And make sure you go to uh, if wherever you're listening, Apple, iTunes, whatever, or Spotify. Give us a five-star rating. Leave a little comment. Um, you can help support the show at our Patreon, patreon.com slash LuxOpsPod. And, of course, we're on Twitter and Instagram at LuxOpsPod. I do have a Facebook group set up that I never use or touch. So if somebody wants to just take that over, 
it's yours. Email me, luxobscurepodcast at gmail.com. I will make you an administrator in the group or whatever if you want to fucking... You got, just don't post hate speech in there. That's about it. That's, I, I could care less about anything else. You take, show pic, Make it private. Show pictures of your balls if they'll let you get away with it. I don't care. Just no hate speech. That's all I'm asking. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening. I will see you all later in the week where I got my friend Chloe Evans coming on, and she's got a very funny story, and I can't wait to share it with you. Bye-bye, everyone.